The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film one minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. I'm Tierney Steele, and today we are joined by podcasting royalty. Me, he's royalty. That's me. (laughs) Hello there. Yes, my name is Alex Robinson. I am the co-host of the Star Wars Minute podcast. Your podcast has been invoked many a time on this show already. (laughs) I should hope so. Contractually, you're obligated to mention us at least once per episode, so we we will be checking. It is in our mandate. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's implied. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to probably make a lot of Star Wars references, but we will also reference Minute 92 of MASH, which starts with Henry Blake making a fishing fly in his office as the phone rings and ends with a truck driving into camp while the PA describes the movie The Glory Brigade. More and more movies. But this is mostly the foundational minute for Radar and Colonel Blake, I think. Foundational in what sense? Like, like it's it's dad and radar. <laughs> <laughs> like how they interact. Mm-hmm. Yes, gotcha. I, we've gotten bits of it before. That's the, true. The fact that radar is radar, I guess. <laughs> he has a unique skill set. <laughs> Are we gonna have to make taken references too? Because I didn't prepare for that. Oh, I didn't either. So okay, so we won't. Alex, we've just kind of dumped you into this minute, but I thought it was a nice little mini standalone story. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like its own little lone little scene lit. And also it's Radar, of course, is one of the few characters who carries over into the So to me that seems this seems like real mash versus meets up <laughs> with fake mash kind of. <laughs> Because to me, the TV show is the one I'm more familiar with, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of people. So it's it's weird seeing, you know, Gary Berghoff show up in this version. Yes, this is Roger Bowen Blake, but he still, I guess, I guess we don't have as much foundational father-son relationship in this minute. I just really like that they can, I don't know, I, I really like Radar's not paying any attention to what's going on. And yet still being very helpful. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's why I don't think it's father and son so much as just like it's it's almost like a it's like an unspoken thing where they both radar knows exactly what he has to do. He just has to stand there and hold it and he doesn't have to pay attention. To anything. You know, he can read his papers or whatever it is yeah. he's doing well. Like he's just there strictly to be a utility for the colonel. And he knows that the best way to do that is just do what he's supposed to do. It's more they're more like a well-oiled machine together than it kind of shows that sense of their relationship. Like they're so more my father never took than me father fishing, and son so. now. Sorry. Uh, yeah, my dad did not do this. He did, however, go through a brief but very beneficial for me model building phase. I thought you were going to say modeling phase. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you dad went through a modeling phase. Well, you you know, it's all good. <laughs> oh, I never had the patience to build models. I'm trying to think. I liked building rocket ships, but that's not the same thing. No. Well, those really. you get to go set off afterwards. That's true. 
you you almost don't want to make them too nice because they'll you know they just get wrecked. I think I might have mentioned in a previous minute earlier in the movie that I did learn how to tie flies, but I don't really remember anything about it. <laughs> Tell Alex how you learned to tie flies. How did you learn to tie flies? I was in a middle school like fly tying club, and I was the <laughs> only girl. Wow. And I don't really remember why I wanted to do it either. I guess I must have thought it was interesting. And there was only like four of us. It wasn't exactly like the most robust <laughs> club on, at my school. But. Did you, uh, being the only girl, did you in- did we did you encounter um, like did they did they care? Were you did they like oh this they is cool? They didn't seem to or- care. I think it was just like oh good, there's someone else here. All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. It was kind of cool. I found them the other day, actually, Tyranny. <gasps> Oh my goodness. I was like, I still have these? Yes, I do, because I'm a pack rat, but <laughs> I have pack rat tendencies. Did you ever catch fish with them? Or were they no, strictly that's for- why I, that's why I still have them. I think I just did like the four that I have, maybe mm. more than that, but and I never actually went fishing with them. That we never did that part. It was just learn how to make the ties. Wow. So none of the people in the group were fisher people? They all just were into it for the ties? I guess so. Or I mean, maybe some of the guys ended up fishing. I don't know. I mean, I live in a rural part of New Hampshire, so it wouldn't surprise me if people actually used them except for me. I'm just surprised it never came up. Like while you were all sitting around talking about it, someone wasn't like, you know what? This will catch a good fish. I mean, I'm pretty sure some, I I mean, I do remember them saying like, well, you use this kind of, you know, feather for, you know, to attract this kind of fish and you would never use this kind of color if you wanted to get trout or whatever. But I clearly don't remember any of that. Hmm. Someone knew about fishing. Yes. And clearly the shop teacher who ran the club knew about fishing, but that was... right. Well, I just love the idea of this being a fish club where it's people who are just purely in there for the craft and don't really care (laughs) about fishing, but they just like the pride of a a job well done. So uh, the pride of a nice, well tied tie, right? (laughs) I'm actually a vegetarian. That's my fishing contribution to the minute. (laughs) So I don't know if he's if Blake's doing a good job or if he's yeah or what, but it looks pretty good to me. I wonder if you ever see him fishing. He does. He goes out in the little shallow river that goes by the mash mm-hmm. at one point. Hmm. I'm very curious how well that went. Does not look like a very substantial spot. Yeah. yeah. Like, would you be able to catch fish? Or fish you could even eat? Would you have a big enough fish? That's kind of uh, that's kind of sadly poignant in a way. <laughs> because it's like clearly Henry Blake is just he is just yearns for some sense of normalcy and like maybe when he was back home and wherever he was, he used to go fishing. So this is kind of like a sad, almost like a parody of the life he could be living at home, fishing in this little sewage ditch they have going on. Can you imagine <laughs> what kind of what kind of weight medical waste is being dumped into that river and he's fishing in it? Oh, Henry, oh. come on. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to angle to get home. Maybe he's trying to uh, get like <laughs> poisoned or something. Klinger was barking up the wrong tree the whole time. Oh, oh. It made me think of the an early episode where Trapper gets an ulcer mm-hmm. on the TV show and so he thinks he's going to get to go home. They mm-hmm. throw him a big party, but all he can drink is milk. <laughs> he should know being a medical man that that wouldn't send you home. Well, it u- they used to get treated stateside, and then spoilers for that episode of MASH, at the end, it turns out, his choice is he can go stateside, but then he'll have to come back and he could be reassigned anywhere, or he can stay at the MASH and have it treated. So he decides to stay, but not before making an entertaining move on Major Houlihan, <laughs> who is mentioned in this minute, although we don't see her. This is the minute where we find out that uh, Margaret sent a letter... With Frank Burns, God, that feels like a long time ago. I know, right? (laughs) 
And I remember her saying she only wished she could be there to deliver it herself or something like that. There was a little bit of a head toss, a little bit of haughtiness. And we do see that General Hammond did get the report, did read it, is concerned enough. Mm -hmm. Henry, clearly not so much. I don't think anyone in this minute is terribly concerned about anything, but it's uh. So how does it, how I, does this uh, how does this whole storyline age given the, our climate? It's just like ooh, this is so awkward now because we're basically watching these guys not take her seriously and all that. Does that does it affect it? Am I being too am I being too politically correct? I don't think you're being too politically correct in the macro. I do love when Hammond said, because Hammond read the report. He says, she makes some accusations, Henry. I find pretty hard to believe. And Henry's response is, don't believe them then. Goodbye. <laughs> like right. The look on Hammond's face is very, and we're going to see the follow-up. Like He comes out to see what's going on. Hmm. So, But uh, this is a movie that has no consequences for right. any men right. yeah. whatsoever <laughs> for anything. <laughs> So it, it does not pass me to muster, but I don't think it's quite as bad. It's not like she's, I mean, no one ever denies that they call her hot lips. Mm -hmm. And many people probably even accept that it's inappropriate. They just don't do anything about it. Right. So there's a level of frustrating. There's a base level of BS, mm -hmm. of sexism. <laughs> but then you get these little like, quick lines and and again there's no can we say there's no gaslighting i feel like that's introducing a word that i the algorithms are gonna pick up and that's not what we're talking about today i swear <laughs> well i have a question i have a different quote do you want to move away from this awkward topic or keep going we can move away it's fine <laughs> no sorry i didn't i didn't mean to derail it i just it, sorry no i think the way major Hulahan is treated in this minute er, in this movie is fascinatingly awful and i mm -hmm. love someone early on mentioned like can you imagine this movie from her point of view and sure. the deeper we get into this the more i'm like yes i must have it i want it <laughs> so badly <laughs> you want the margaret version I do. Although we'd have to address the controversy of whether her last name is Houlihan or O'Houlihan, because it's both in this movie. <laughs> oh, so even in this, because I always thought it was Houlihan, but then uh, then they say they definitely say O'Houlihan in this. So. Yeah, except it's definitely Houlihan in other parts of the movie. Mm. Is there a canonical explanation for this? I think it was changed at one point, and mm -hmm. so they just didn't bother to go back and fix anywhere they'd said the wrong yeah. thing. <laughs> or I guess it wasn't wrong, but to be fair, that happened in real life. Callahan was O'Callahan, and a lot of the Irish last names had the O on it, and it just got dropped at some point. And or maybe just the people who actually are saying the names aren't really sure what the name is. And they're either unconsciously adding an O or unconsciously dropping the O without realizing it. He's looking at her report. He should know. But <laughs> <laughs> so in universe, yes, out of universe, they just didn't bother to fix it when someone said it slightly wrong. Right. Well, I have another potentially controversial issue. Ooh. <laughs> In this minute, we see General Hammond. Is this the first time we see General Hammond, or has he been in it before? I think this is the first time we this... see him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he gets alluded to, obviously, but I yeah. think this is the first time we actually see him. So I looked at the, um, I watched the minute maybe 50, 60 times, and uh, then I <laughs> said, okay, well, let me look up that actor to see who he is. G. Wood? 
apparently, and I'm probably you guys probably already know this. He's one of the few actors who appears in both the Ash Mash movie and the Mash TV show. Mm-hmm. But being multiple generals. <laughs> But well, but in the so in the MASH TV show, he plays a character or in this movie, he plays Private Boone. And then later on, like you said, he or no, in this one, he plays General Hammond. But I guess you see him playing Private Boone in the TV show. Could that be possibly right? No, but um, um Bud Court is Boone. Okay. He's much younger. Bud Court wasn't in the TV show. And so my entire life I've been saying that Boone wasn't in the TV show. But one of our listeners actually found trivia that in the pilot, never say his name, Bruno Kirby is playing Boone. What? And then they just dropped that and never (laughs) addressed it. Wow. Like, whoops. Yeah, they clearly were experimenting those first few episodes with which characters were going to come over and how they were going to look. Yeah. But yes, G. Wood does appear in both. And so does, I mean, obviously, Gary Berghoff is the only one who is always an only radar. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, I see it. Now that I'm reading it closely, it's Bud Court who played Private Lorenzo. Anyway, but so ultimately the point is, how do you reconcile the fact that he plays multiple, is it, are they siblings or what's the story? How do they, how do they reconcile the fact Ooh. that the same actor did his, did, is this like a, uh, a Dick Whitman thing where he took over his identity of one of the generals? Now, see, I would love that because we were able to come up with something for Bandini, Mm -hmm. who appears as a different doctor later in the show. Mm -hmm. But the doctor in the TV show is like super relaxed and chill. And I'm like, Bandini gave up, man. And he just started smoking weed and playing guitar the whole time. And that's why he looks like Cardoza in the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So there you go. Now you have another time you can do a general. uh... They both play play guitar. It's clearly the same guy. I'm just looking up to, because I'm blanking on the name of the general in the TV show. And of course, because it's G. Wood, it's impossible to search for on IMDb. Isn't it George, too? I mean, like his legal name was George, I think. I don't know if that helps. That's entirely possible. I've only ever seen G. Wood. Well, according to the Monster Mash Wookiee, his birthday was ah. George. So I don't know if the G was because of SAG or what, quite possibly. Which Wookiee is this? It's called Monster Mash. And, oh, it's the Mash.fandom.com. Got it. It's your Wikipedia. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. I got it all thrown off. I thought it had to do with the song Monster Mash. You would Mash. think so, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he also appeared in Harold Mod and an episode of Love American Style, which Ooh. means I can drop the theme song. Love American Style. Remember when they redid that on TGIF with like Melissa Hart was in it and it was like, my parents were just like, this is not the same show. <laughs> oh, I think I was in denial about that. So yes, here he is General Hammond. In the TV show, he is Brigadier General Charlie Hammond. Ooh. Oh, so at least he's the same. So they, so they least... have the same last name. Yeah. So I think we got a whole like twin or brothers at least situation going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. maybe he's a Brigadier General in the movie too. That's my bad. I've been calling him a general this whole time. Whoa. Yeah, he's a Brigadier General, I guess, in both. <gasps> maybe he is the same. Maybe Gary Burkhoff's been getting some credit. 
where G would. But to be fair, them. like Gary R- plays Radar, who's a more regular character. Hammond only shows up for like what one or two episodes, and then it's sort of like never Hammond's really in like heard five from. episodes total. Gary Berghoff went eight seasons. Yeah, exactly, I'm like, right. nah, it doesn't count. <laughs> well, that doesn't count, but I guess that's why everyone remember Radar more than like friend in general who has a thing for Margaret. You know, like I was gonna say, Margaret would remember. Margaret remembers. Yeah, there's great because there's that episode where she's all like. Oh, General Hammond. <laughs> everyone's like, what? He calls her Margaret and yeah, was like, like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, what? Margaret, what? What a concept, calling women by their actual names. <sighs> it's so nice. Aw, I'll do a quick actual names. We get a timestamp and name drop of actual things from the Korean War. Whoa, check it out, Robert Altman. <laughs> Except the whole actual battle for Old Baldy is so Vietnam, like, it hurts to read the description. (laughs) Because it's one of those where it's like, Chinese were holding a hill, the United Nations, American forces took the hill, and then the Chinese tried to take it back again, and again, and again, and again. And sometimes they got further, and sometimes they didn't, and artillery was involved, and everything. I mean, except in the Vietnam story, they actually would have lost the hill and kept trading it back and forth, but it's the same idea. Just from what I'm reading, it sounds like the Chinese never completely succeeded in taking it back, but it's all, it's related to... So Old Baldy encompasses... Well, Old Baldy was the hill, and the Battle of Old Baldy encompassed three hills, and one of them is Porkchop Hill, which if you Mm. know anything about the Korean War other than MASH, you probably have heard that term. Mm. Nothing to do with the origin of the Porkchop, unfortunately. No. No. No, that would be so much better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that was 1952, summer in 1952. Okay. I'm seeing a date stamp of June 26, but... Like I said, it went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then there's a very interesting thing because uh, Colombia sent troops. I think I read that it, they were the only South American country that sent troops to Korea. But they ended up like they were holding the hill for a while. Dang. Instead of Americans. So it, an interesting, depressing read, as are most of my, <laughs> most of my favorites. So you're saying that this scene takes place in 1952 then? Yeah, I think we're supposed to be getting that time has passed from when Duke and Hawkeye came to this. Because there was something that we said, oh, that means it has to be 50 or 51. Mm -hmm. Like it had to be in the early part of the war. And now we're getting a reference to something in the later parts of the war. Uh, well, I uh, I might have some ma- a mash bombshell for you guys then. The movie that PA guy is saying, The Glory Brigade, mm-hmm. according to IMDb, that movie came out in 1953. <gasps> oh, so time travel. Something's not right here. I don't know if they're getting an early screening because it's a Korean uh, War film. Maybe they're like a test audience. Wait, Pork Hill was when? Sorry, what? Pork Hill was 52, you said? Pork Chop Hill. Yeah, it, Pork Chop Hill, Old Baldy was 1952. Although some of it went into 19... 19- so there were battles over a period of 10 months. Okay, maybe they're just going with later ones then? I don't know. Yeah, you know what? We can make that argument. Because it looked like there was some more oh, action on wait. Pork Hill in 53, too. The Chinese did take it back at one point? Because that says 53. Boy, war is, war is insanity, right? There was a lot of back and forth. Yeah, there was a lot of... <laughs> it was very hard to follow. Okay, according to Wikipedia, the UN won the first battle, but the Chinese won the second battle. 
Okay, so maybe it is 53 then. So That's but then still I'm, very quick to get a movie over to the MASH unit, but we'll take it. <laughs> goodness gracious. Yeah, and it's like right on the North Korea line too. Yeah. Forgot that part. I thought it was made up at first and then I'm like, oh no. Oh no. Oh, here is so much more. Yeah, I freaking love this movie announcement. Rock'em, sock'em, kisses you never got. <laughs> <laughs> this is glorious. I love this minute. First of all, Hammond's aid is so weird. I'm kind of obsessed with him. Going to talk more about him in the future. Because <laughs> he's just there. He's just there. <laughs> and he's like sitting on his desk. Like there's something weird going on. I, I like the contrast between Hammond and his aide and Blake and his radar. The very different relationships. There's a lot of different power. It's like he's sitting on the desk, um, Hammond's aide. Yeah. That's not cool. Like, that doesn't seem like a very military... I mean, not that what Radar's doing is completely probably by the book either, but, you know, because it's mad. <laughs> I cannot but... <laughs> make out what that magazine is, and it's driving me crazy. Oh. I want to know. Maybe uh, that MASH is also... Or maybe that office is just as crazy and screwy as the MASH uh, unit is. Maybe they have their own crazy storylines going on. Yeah. We're going to say Hammond's a bit of a dog, so it could be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do love the, that's great news. Who won? Oh, by the way. And so... <laughs> like, this don't is answer. Just, just like, nope. This is the beautiful... You could write a whole paper in military history about how the meaning is that it doesn't matter who won. Mm. But really, th- we're supposed to see that the general don't even care the futility of war wow there's a british poem from world war one that we could get into but we won't bother (laughs) (laughs) mostly because i'll butcher it and then yeah i i love the thank you radar you're welcome sir and then just walks away while he deals with his string yeah his thread yeah i've never tied a fishing lure but i have lost the end of a string while someone had been like son like oh yeah i felt (sighs) that no it's really fun when you're bobbing on your sewing machine runs out of thread when you're in the middle of a project and you're like, you're halfway through a section. And you're like, no, because it doesn't actually sew. No. Sewing machine? <laughs> yeah, sewing machine. Oh, sorry. I should have probably mentioned that. Yeah. No, no. I I hand stitched something and I was oh. just like, I'd have been done with this in two minutes. And that would have included yeah. loading the thread. So the bobbin <laughs> does like the bottom stitch, if you will. Like if you when you put it through the machine, like the thread on the top does like what you see on the top, and the bobbin does the stitch that's on the bottom. If you turn if you turned your garment or that piece over, and mm-hmm. so when you don't have the bobbin, it doesn't actually the top thread doesn't actually stick. If that makes sense, like it doesn't actually <laughs> stay through. So when you if you did a section and you're like, yes, I budge. <laughs> It, that didn't actually do anything. No, and bobbins are like a pain in the butt anyway. Oh, I hate bobbins. I mean, I love bobbins, but I hate bobbins. Oh. Anyway, that's my Not to rant. go mean girls on you, but say bobbins again. Bobbins. <laughs> I like the way you said it. You're like, I hate bobbins. I love bobbins. Like you were worried I mean, the, I mean, the, like it can the hear bobbins you. industry was going to really come. Big big bobbins was going to. They're not. I, I don't know. Like bo- I, I find a lot of sewers don't like bobbins unless you have like a really fancy newer machine that like auto. They just uh, they just don't th- like stick in the machine always the right way. And you have to like when they get off track, you have to, to try to thread them. It's like and I wish you could see me because I'm totally making the motions. <laughs> but it's a podcast so you can't but so you're it, it, they just don't want to thread up well and uh, this is fascinating i'm trying to learn how to sew clearly i'm frustrated about certain things i i took my pass in home ec in eighth grade and never looked back <laughs> uh clinger has a sewing machine there's your mesh i was gonna say connection. how do i bring this pack Oh, Klinger provides. <laughs> I want to make some cool outfits like Klinger. That's why I'm trying to learn how to sew. 
don't make promises you can't keep to the post-up ward. I'm Maggie. sorry. <laughs> if nothing else, I want to be able to like, you know, when you go to thrift stores and you see something really cool, but like it's got a weird hole in it or you're like, oh, I could, if I could, I could just make those culottes or something if I, you know, just hem them and get rid of the weird stain that won't come out. Alex, you ever go to a thrift store and think, <laughs> oh, if only those culottes didn't have a stain? Uh, yes. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't tell you. And, you know, I'm not a small man, so it's hard enough to find culottes. And then when they have a stain on them, that's just insult to injury right there. I mean, I almost said dresses that I was like, I don't want to assume, but I don't think Alex is really a dress man. I mean, which is fine. Teach their own. But So you did think I was a culottes man, though. You're like, I don't know for why culottes. It depends on which season. <laughs> well, I guess I was thinking, too, like, if you, because you could take jeans or, like, a long pants and turn those into, like, culottes or something. And it not yeah. be, if you do it well, it won't look obvious that you did that. I will. I have a startling confession. I'm not 100% sure what a culotte is. They're like pants that, instead of going down to about your ankle, mm-hmm. they go about mid-thigh. I mean, mid-thigh. mid-calf. Mid-calf, excuse me. <laughs> like mid-calf. a capri pant? They're kind of like capri pants, yeah. Okay. They're kind of like mom jeans, if you will. <laughs> you know who actually can rock capri pants really well is Audrey Hepburn in Funny Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those aren't cool. I always think of culottes as swishy. Right, but she, well, they're, they're usually weird material now. They're like this weird poly blend that just, ugh, no one should wear. But <laughs> Plus, Audrey Hepburn. Is there anything Audrey Hepburn isn't going to be able to pull off? This is true, because it's Audrey Hepburn, and who doesn't love Audrey Hepburn? Megan, I've added to our list of things you need to do in New York City. Not only do we need to take you to Tiffany's, because I am traumatized that you have not been to Tiffany's I'm so sorry. in Manhattan. I really we're gonna do the Hitchcock Minute, North by Northwest. Yes, we could go to the Oak Bar. That's where he gets kidnapped from. But oh, we won't right. get kidnapped. We'll no. just enjoy a drink. Yeah, let's not get kidnapped at the Oak Bar. That would just be no. You sure you want to risk it? <laughs> we could be setting up a whole escapade of mistaken identity. Dear Jim O'Kane, I can't submit our minutes because we got kidnapped at the Oak Bar. <laughs> we were method podcasting we were again. Method podcasting again, and this weird guy just stole us from, like, took us away from the Oak Bar. I don't know what's happening. Please send help. I'm not gonna hear you. <laughs> oh no, you have done because you guys have done like Star Wars celebration episodes and stuff. I was gonna say when your when your movie that you analyze one minute at a time is set in space, you probably don't get to do what I've deemed method podcasting. He's going often. on location. Yes. <laughs> We've talked about actually taking a road trip to uh, places where they filmed Star Wars in real life, but there's Ooh. nothing real con- like, you know, it's like Death Valley. or yeah. uh, So it's it's hard to uh, get motivated to take a trip out there. But we've definitely, it's something we would like to do. Like certainly Northern California, the Ewok uh, village would be a fun uh, place to go. But you're right, there aren't Alex. too many location shoots you can go to compared to uh, other movies like The Godfather. There's a ton of them in The Godfather. Alex, are you saying you guys have a bad motivator? Oh, boy. <laughs> have you guys it ever had s- to be said. <laughs> have you guys ever seen the show Children's Hospital by any chance? <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yes. Have you already talked about the MASH connection? We definitely mentioned it, but it was in the middle of me being like, okay, so I'm going to tell you all to watch this show, but I hate myself for saying that <laughs> because I yell at people in my house who watch this show constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, it's very well done. 
the announcements, the PA system in Children's Hospital. Yeah. I will give it that. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Michael Sarah is cre- is credited as Sal Viscuso, who did the voice announcements in the TV show. Yes, and I didn't mention that. Here, there are a ton of uncredited voiceover guys mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the credits for IMDb for MASH. And I am very curious how many of them are doing because the PA voice, the loudspeaker voice that mm-hmm. you imagine if you think of the movie is David Arkin. Mm-hmm. I know he recorded a ton of them, but we get some uh, like Ted Knight gets involved. I mean, this is... <laughs> well, it makes sense. I mean, that they would have multiple people. That's true. I guess Wade can't always be on the PA. Yeah. It's like those episodes of Star Trek where they show you who's running the Enterprise when Picard never went to sleep. Third shift. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that everyone's like, why isn't it just always Data again? (laughs) (laughs) I just really gave away that when someone says Star Trek, I think of TNG, didn't I? That's fine. That's right. Okay, good. Okay. I think most (laughs) most good, most decent folk feel the same way. (laughs) I think it's a pathology if you think of like Voyager first. (laughs) Well, we've had a lot of Star Trek connections in this movie, way more than I knew before (laughs) I started doing a podcast about it. There are Star Trek people running all over the place. I have another one more question. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen the animated show Mush or Mush, I guess is how it's supposed to be pronounced? So I've only found stills and then Grips. Hmm. So I you actually did looking... look into it. I, I tip my nerd hat to you. I wanted to cover it as a special or as part of our Megan and I's podcast forever plan. <laughs> <laughs> I explained to her about Godfather Minute and the one minute a week thing. And she told me that she would like to not die podcasting about MASH. So <laughs> she put the kibosh on that pretty quick. Or no, it was Animal House. Hmm. What? What? Megan oh, said, right. I think I accidentally said we were going to analyze Animal House, what, one, something Well, because originally I, so I said, <laughs> let's do Animal House one minute at a time because it's clearly a sequel to MASH. Donald Sutherland moves back home, changes careers, goes to New Hampshire and becomes a teacher. I drive by sense. the abandoned frat all the time. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, okay, we'll do that minute by minute. And then once we started doing this, Megan was like, oh, these shows are a terrible idea and we should not do that. So I said, why don't we do a minute at a time, but we'll only release one a week. Oh, and that's what she it was, did right. some, we, we did some math on how that meant we'd be talking about Animal House for two and a half years and <laughs> some things much. don't age well and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we weren't sure we could do it without going crazy. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to be doing, my brother and I are going to be doing Godfather for the rest of our lives. So, <laughs> Yeah, but when people treat women like crap, you can claim it's social commentary. Mm-hmm. Whereas in National Lampoon's Animal House, they just wanted to see boobs. Mm, yeah. Although I finally saw Heathers for the first time, and it made <gasps> me really want to watch Animal House now in this new light. <laughs> oh, Heathers. Hmm. I yeah. haven't seen Heathers in, since probably it was on cable in the 90s. It's one of those that I knew references to, but I never actually seen the movie. And so once a month I'm going through How did you go to a women's college and not have seen Heathers? How did I fail you there, Tierney? Graduate I, school I know, but college. you lived on campus, so it was kind of like going to a women's college-ish. I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we'll have Winona Ryder was real cool. She is really cool. I explained to someone the other day that she was coming back. Her career's come back. And they're like, no, she hasn't done anything good since Heather's. And I was like, nope. Uh, You are wrong, sir. You are wrong, sir. You're wrong, ma'am. 
I would like to point out, though, the one sad thing is I dressed up as Lindsay Weir from Freaks and Geeks for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And multiple people were like, where are the Christmas lights? Like, no, I'm not Winona Ryder from Stranger Things. Oh. But now I'm developing some really weird headcanon on how they could be the same person. I dressed up as Lydia Dietz. Not the Red Bride version, but like, you know, her goth version. And people are like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're such a nice looking witch. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm Lydia Dees from Beetlejuice, like Winona Ryder. And they're like, that's a movie? And I was like, oh my God. Come on, well, it's that's Beetlejuice. Not okay. It's Beetlejuice. <laughs> and it wasn't just teenagers and old people either. So, you know, you can't blame it on like they missed that like cultural reference somehow. But oh, we're just spreading the cultural references all over the world. I know. I'm like, huh? okay. Well, I think. We've talked a lot of pop culture today. We've talked about Friday Night's movie. That's really hard to say now that Friday Night Lights has been a thing. (laughs) Saying Mm. Friday Night's movie feels wrong. We've talked mash. We've talked mush. We've talked bobbins. Bobbins. (laughs) Talking bobbins. Talking bobbins. <laughs> it's just fun to say that way. Bobbins. You can be more British. You go bobbins. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say, normally now is when I would launch into my bad New York accent, but given that we have someone who does the Godfather Minute on the show, I feel like that would not be appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked around your shows, but I'm betting after how many seasons of Star Wars Minute, you probably have a pretty good plug spiel down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, me and my uh, friend Pete the Retailer, we do Star Wars Minute, which is like what you guys are doing about this, but uh, about the Star Wars films. We crack wise, we give you behind the scenes tidbits, and we discuss which stitches we like the best when we're putting together. Our, uh, <laughs> I can't even, fa- even come up with enough fake words to come up with, a, <laughs> to fake my way through a joke about sewing. I'm like, cloth, fabric, cloth. and felt. Do you like a zigzag stitch? Is that your... <laughs> has reduced us to every time it's a big henry minute we just (laughs) we're just like devolve (laughs) oh henry (laughs) Uh, oh henry i swear alex we have had like insightful conversations (laughs) but henry blake for some reason has some power over us (laughs) where we get distracted by his stutter or his fishing or his inability to talk to his girlfriend like a normal person (laughs) but apparently very comfortable with her while in bed drinking shampoo drinking wine because as we, I never noticed before, the uh, when Houlihan storms into his room and threatens to resign her commission, mm-hmm. the tent flaps are up, which means the entire camp has just enjoyed Henry and Leslie getting it on. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I was gonna see how you're. I was just curious to see how you're gonna wrap that up. <laughs> I was like, delective flamenco that's not it (laughs) horizontal mambo you know just whatever you want to call it (laughs) well i'm very distracted i will give our listeners a peek behind the curtain we are recording this minute not at our usual time and i am halfway through the movie dirty harry i paused it and now i'm recording a podcast about mash and i have (laughs) a lot of feelings about movies that said and did things that seemed fine and cool at the time that seems to be our trope, isn't it? It's like movies from the 70s in particular. <laughs> we don't have multiple really nude well. women. I mean, <laughs> that's true. Wandering in and out of shots. No, that's, yeah. God. So I'm sorry if I have completely derailed us, but half my mind is just like, that movie makes no sense. I don't understand. <laughs> it is kind of a weird movie. The original Dirty Harry? Yeah. I've not seen it for ages. 
I was distracted while watching Dirty Harry because the actor who plays the bad guy is named Andrew Robinson, which is my brother's <gasps> name. I saw, and I was like, I didn't know Andy Robinson was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it very definitely freaked me out the first time. I was like, what? What are you not telling me? He was like seven at the time. <laughs> I mean, for a seven-year-old, this is an excellent performance. I don't know how it ends, so I can't, I can't, I feel like I'm going to put my foot in my mouth if I try and keep going. Well, I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, do you feel lucky? (laughs) Junie's like, no. I did have a good punk phase. Punk phase? I'm just reminiscing. Yeah. Really? I I find that hard to believe. I don't know you okay. well enough like, to like, out, like you dressed like you were a punk or you just into like the music and the philosophy and uh, or both. Did you have a mohawk? No, I did not. Which is hilarious because I went to a camp mohawk and so I have a lot of <laughs> mohawker stuff and then people look at me and they're like, wait a minute, really? That's so funny. You were so punk. You went to camp mohawk. <laughs> I realize, you know what? People who are true old school punks would not like me. I was punk, but it was the late 90s. So there's like a California version of punk that I was very into Mm, that has nothing to do with doing drugs in New York City. It has to do with getting good grades in school, working hard, (laughs) and making your parents proud of you. Uh, Mostly has to do with going surfing and playing music way too loud until your ears ring. But yeah, because I I read, um, oh, shoot, who did the oral history of punk rock? Um, But it was two really famous people. And at the end of it, I was just depressed because I'm like, there are no happy endings here. (laughs) That's not what we came here to talk about. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I like cannot concentrate today. That dirty Harry got you all in your, you got all your bloodlust going. That's what it is. All right. I swear, I remember things that I usually do on my show. And one of the things I usually do is ask our guest what their history with MASH is. Okay, I guess that's me. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the television program intermittently as a kid, and but was never a huge fan. Then for some reason, uh, when I was in like my 30s, I became obsessed with watching MASH. I was like, I want to, I want to, I think because I heard that when you watch it on DVD, you can watch it without the laugh track, mm. which to me seemed like A, both good because the laugh tracks are annoying, but also that it would be weird to watch it without the laugh track, just in terms of the timing and stuff. And it was, it is very weird to watch with, without the laugh track. That's when I really got into it and that and i was like they should just totally redo a dark gritty mash because when you watch it without the laugh track it definitely stuff that is definitely dark humored isn't doesn't get deflated by these ghost people laughing at it you know like like they're laughing at any other dumb joke it's a lot more like watching like an hbo show or something when you watch it without the laugh track and did you know there was a movie because <laughs> if you want a grittier mash there uh, so, is that for you <laughs> well I, that's when i said okay i'm gonna watch the movie too as part of my ah. and um there were parts of the movie that i thought were were very good and there were parts of the movie that I thought had aged very very poorly and and just kind of like were you know um I could see how for its time it must have been very like a breath of fresh air and very uh edgy and stuff but now it just seems kind of you know like unpleasant so uh yeah that's about it so I uh, know uh, like I said it's also weird when you watch the movie seeing it's like it's like they made a movie of the TV show but they didn't want to cast Alan Alda or any people in it they wanted to use <laughs> big Hollywood stars in it so they got Elliot Gould and uh, Donald Sutherland and all that to, to play the the leads so uh, who ironically at that point weren't big Hollywood stars <laughs> is that true I thought they were, were they still, I don't know what they, where they were vis-a-vis there. Were they Um, all relatively unknown? They, 
Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland had been around. Like, this is post uh, army movie Donald Sutherland. Dirty Dozen. Oh. It's like with a number. <laughs> uh, this is post Dirty Dozen for Donald Sutherland. So it's not like he was some unknown actor. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't. He wasn't an A list per. He wasn't an A lister. Exactly. Donald Sutherland has really aged into being known. Like his voice never changed. He just got a little bit deeper and speaks a little bit slower (laughs) and now has gravitas. That's about the best you can hope for with a long-term career, is that you age into yeah. gravitas and not uh, just obsolescence. Exactly. And Elliot Gould had done some stuff, but this is pre the long goodbye. So they were both kind of in between. And of course, it's pre-Top Gun for Tom Skerritt. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-mustache for Tom Skerritt. He had not embraced his full powers mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> I'm trying to think, Megan, if there's anything else. We usually bug our guest about. We make them tell us where to find them. We make them tell us if they like MASH, what they thought of the movie, because some people were unaware there was a movie until I asked them to be on this. (laughs) Yep. We didn't ruin MASH for for Alex, hopefully, unlike some guests where we've done that. You know, I I felt a lot better. Jerry Porter has since mentioned that he was starting to come to his realization before he was on our show. The way he was talking, it sounded like mid-guesting on MASH, but he's like, I don't like this. Oh, Hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good sign. We've yet to have anyone be like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Charlie Hammond, we're going to get to know you better. Oh, yes. <laughs> and this aide, will this aide get a name? Spoiler alert, no. <laughs> well, you know, on Star Wars, uh, whenever we encounter a character who has no name, that's when you use that as op- your, your opportunity to... <gasps> To fill in some uh, fill in some blanks in the mash verse. This is true. Mm. You should name him and come up with a backstory. All right, his name is Andy Robinson. <laughs> He's a sni- seven year old sniper in San Francisco. <laughs> he loves sitting on desks. He loves sitting on desks. <laughs> he comes from a planet where everyone sits on desks all the time. The whole planet is one big desk. Ooh, that's so meta. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Megan doesn't spend nearly as much time in the Star Wars listener society. This is child's play. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no. I love that I've gotten you into podcasting via all this. So it's a start. It's a start. (laughs) Baby steps. Baby steps. So Alex knows I've slowly enlisted the aid of Jim O'Kane in making Megan a full-time podcaster. Nice. Yeah, because when we're on Hitchcock Minute, she's going to do, she's going to be the person in charge. Woohoo! Welcome aboard. Thank you. <laughs> I guess <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Now, now, podcasting is fine, right? It's fine. No, it's a fun. I, I actually had a meeting today where people were asking me like, "Oh, what I read," and I was like, "You don't want to know what I read because it's so weird." Now that I'm podcasting, <laughs> I'm doing all this research and like, you don't know. I don't. I don't read books like you think I do. <laughs> Can I make a podcast confession? Sure. And I, I think it's just because you're here, Alex. I found out. This past weekend, uh-huh. it is entirely possible that I've been setting up my microphone backwards for the past three years. Wait, what do you mean backwards? You've been talking into the wire? <laughs> yes, I know. Like, are, are you? Like, you know, when you put it on the little stand and you set it to the setting for podcasting that looks like the upside down heart? Yeah. I've been talking to the wrong side. I've been talking to the back since 2016. <laughs> Well, I guess if you never noticed it before, it must not be, it must sound more or less the same. Bobby commented, he's like, yeah, there's this weird, like, echo that sounds 
like you're in a room and you're, you know, well, we're all in rooms. I was going to say we're endless. We don't in a way, aren't we all in rooms? <laughs> are we all, we all are we rooms. all boxed in like <laughs> yeah and i was like i understand i've got these foam tiles and do i'm doing different settings and i realized that's because the sound is going a- around the microphone to the other side wow oh well, i always just thought that was your thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually i should probably go back to it and cut this and we'll n- never speak of it again okay yeah. <laughs> fair enough this is the part where I admit to our guests that we don't have a clever sign-off. Wait a minute, you're 92 episodes in and you don't have a way to close off the show? How is that possible? I mean, it seems so mash-appropriate, though, right? Like, I really thought we would develop something naturally over time, mm. and what developed was the awkwardness of never knowing how to end an episode. Oh, it's just like the Vietnam War, man. <laughs> it's, so, it's so meta. It's just so... Robert Altman would be so he proud would of be us. So proud of us. <laughs> Actually, he'd probably be mortified, I feel like, but, you know, sure. Proud. He'd like that part of it. He'd like, yeah. The rest of it, he'd probably just be like, ugh, you crazy people. Megan, like, he'd listen to us. I know, that's what I was actually thinking. Like, really? Two chicks. <laughs> he'd, and he'd probably listen to, like, an episode because somebody made him, and he'd just be like, ugh. They don't understand my vision. They don't understand. Those millennials. They don't, Are they, they hot? They don't get anything. <laughs> well, all right, then. Thanks for uh, joining us here on National. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. I love it. Fabulous. <laughs> oh, yeah, I usually mention come back tomorrow for another episode of Mash Minute. Mash Minute. here making a special request on behalf of MASH Minute. If you have returned from deployment or you know someone who has and you're willing to help us out, make a voice memo of your story and email it to mashminute at gmail.com. If you've seen this movie all the way through to the end, you can probably guess where we'll be featuring these. Any questions, feel free to reach out to us at mashminute at gmail.com or on our usual social media places. Thanks, guys.